have your Bibles and you would find 2 Samuel 16, we've been looking at a series on a house divided. And we've been looking about how King David has fled the city. Uh, his son has uh, rebelled. Uh, some of his most trusted advisors have turned and sided with the traitors. And um, we looked last week about how David fled and they were mocking him and they were lying to him. And, and uh, just at probably the lowest point of his life. But today I want to talk to you the reason behind all of this. And really, I believe probably the number one cause of problems in our marriages, in our homes, in our churches. And that is bitterness. And what is bitterness and where does it come from? Bitterness is what happens when I feel I've been wronged or someone has been wronged and justice has not been done. Now, it might not really be true justice, but in my mind, something has been done wrong. Someone has not been treated fairly. Something was not addressed, and over time, that sense of, I don't think that's right, turns into bitterness. Now, this is a funny story, but yet not funny. I was at Culver's the other day doing what I love to do eating a double cheeseburger dressed with french fries. And for whatever reason, I had went up to get probably more Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi because that's what you drink when you get too much food. And as I was standing there, I could tell there was a very unhappy gentleman walking to the front. And I just want you to picture this because most people, when they're upset about their food and they didn't get enough of it, look more like me and not a marathon runner, Okay. And so I see this guy get up, and he doesn't have a wraparound porch. He looks more like he's got three trailers stuck together, all right? And uh, you can tell he's unhappy, and as he brings his basket up, I thought, I'm just going to go sit down. I don't want any part of this. I'm, I'm mature. I'm spiritual. And then I took a step closer. And, uh, and I can see it, and this guy, he comes up there with his training. He says, excuse me. The young lady says, yes. He goes, uh, I only got a double cheeseburger, and I ordered a triple. And my first thought was, I didn't know you could get a triple cheeseburger at Culver's. But I do now. And the lady goes, well, do you have your receipt? He said, yes, it's a double, but I wanted a triple. She said, well, sir, you paid for a double. Next time we'll get it right. He goes, no, I want my food for free. And he said, I've been wrong. And I thought, sermon, illustration, yes! Poor girl working, sorry. And she's like, well, sir, we really, you know, this is what your receipt said. And, and he's like, but I wanted the triple. And I needed the triple. And I was thinking, no, you need a salad, right? But uh, you're like me, buddy, lay off of the sandwich. But he just kept saying that, I've been wrong. This is not what I wanted. And as I was standing there listening to that, I thought, this is so ridiculous. It doesn't matter. It, it, it was an accident. But in this man's mind, he had been wrong. It was funny because in the first, someone, someone in the first service tried to get a physical description because they said, I think I work with him. And I've seen him do that other places. And I'm, it was not in McLeansboro, so I can't say that for sure. But, but in our life, if we're honest, some of the most painful moments in our life are because we didn't get what we thought we should have. 
Sometimes that's in our relationship with other people. Someone said something about someone. Someone did something. Sometimes that relationship was with God. God, I can't believe you let my loved one die, but yet someone else's lived. Lord, I can't believe I got cancer, but yet they didn't. Lord, I lost my job, and I've been a good employee, a faithful employee, and they're useless, (laughs) and they kept their job. We've all been there. And this morning, I want you to know that this is probably one of the most personal and most intimate sermons we will ever have. Because all of us have been through it. Most of us don't want to deal with it. Some of you today probably have unforgiveness all the way back to your childhood from a parent, a grandparent. Maybe right here today, your marriage, you're together on that seat next to each other, but you guys have been checked out for years because of what someone did or what someone said. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I raised my kid in the same youth group as them. My kid's an atheist. Why, God? And in our minds, we have been treated unfairly. And this morning, I want to show you that that can either be dealt with by God or it will ruin your life. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is King David had one advisor who was smarter than everybody else. He gave better wisdom than everyone else. If he was on your team, he was the best of the best. And his name was Ahithophel. And when King David realized this rebellion was going on, the thing that he heard that brought him almost lower than anything was this one verse in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 31. And if you would stand with me while I read that. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Pray with me. Father, this morning you know that I am incapable of doing the task that is before me. Lord, you know I'm sinful, I'm selfish, I'm, Lord, I'm wicked without you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. And Lord, that you would work through your word and through your spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so when the person that is the wisest, the the most uh, excellent is against you, I mean, David is in this situation, realize if this is a battle of wisdom between me and Ahithophel, he wins. If this is a battle of smarts, he wins. If this is a battle of knowledge between me and him, he wins. And so David did something that I hope that you will see and notice is when the odds against you are above your ability, when the pain that you're going through is greater than you can handle, when the situation that you are facing is above your understanding and how to handle it, do something. Go to God. You see, David realized he could not overcome Ahithophel, but what he realized was if God fought for him, There was no one who could defeat God. There was no one that God could not triumph over. And so when David is at his lowest, when David is at his most confused, when David is at his most broken, he says, God, I need you. 
And this morning I hope that you will see that as we go through this passage of Scripture. And we see what real love and obedience looks like. Starting in verse 15. As David is fleeing the city, Absalom and all his entourage and his army is marching into Jerusalem celebrating. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem. And Ahithophel was with them. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king! Long live the king! So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, His I will be, and with Him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of His Son? As I served in your Father's presence, so will I be in your presence. If you remember last week, Hushai was one of David's most trusted advisors. And when he heard that King David was fleeing, the Bible talks about how he had come to David and he was covered in dirt and he was out of sorts. And when most of us should look at that as he was willing to get to David no matter what it took. He had hurried, he had, he had ran to David, he had got there as quick as he possibly could because he wanted David to know that when the rest of the world's abandoned you, David, I'm here, I'm loyal. I'm faithful. I'm true. David, where you go, I go. What you need, I will provide. What you suffer through, I'll suffer through. I'm your man, David. And David says, you're just going to be a burden. I need you to go back into the house of my enemy. Into the house of my son who knows how close we are. Who wants to kill me and all of the people that support me. I need you to go back into that house in that situation and be my spy. If I'm Hushai, I'm thinking, won't you send somebody else? That's not fair. Look at me, David. I've ran to get here. I've rushed to get here. I've, I've left everything to come and be here with you. And you say I'm a, a burden? And I need you to go back into the lion's desk? Den? Back into the snake nest? How is that fair? And what we see here is he's doing that very thing. He is, he is loving David. He is doing what is right, no matter the cost. He could have said, I'm not doing that. This isn't fair. I'll go hide out in the wilderness. I'll go to another country. I'm not putting my life on the line. I've been faithful. I've been loyal. Jesus tells us the same thing about His followers in Matthew chapter 10. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You see, many times we want just enough Jesus to go to heaven. But we don't want enough of Jesus to change us. We want just enough of church to make us feel good about ourselves. But we don't want enough to really affect our lives. You see, we want to be close We want to be involved. But if it costs us anything, that's where I draw the line. Well, the pastor didn't visit me when I was sick. Well, the church didn't ask me. My Sunday school teacher didn't speak to me. 
And in our minds, we have been wrong. Maybe today you're saying, Jake, you know, I've been married all these years and I've been a good spouse, I've been a wonderful spouse, but yet my significant other is not. And I've been wronged. I cannot forgive. Maybe today you're saying, Jake, I've been a good employee. I've worked hard. I've tried to do everything right. And my boss, he doesn't even care. (laughs) So you know what? You get what you pay for. You get treated how you're treated. This morning I want to show you that Hushai did what was right regardless of what had been done to him. And as believers, we have to know that the actions of others does not give us a free pass to disobey God, to grow bitter, to be unforgiving. And so we see what real love and obedience looks like. The second thing I want to show you though is we see that bitterness leads us down a wrong path. Bitterness leads us down a wrong path. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, I don't want you to miss this. Why does Absalom hate his dad? Well, one, because his half-brother sexually assaulted his sister, and David did what? Nothing. David's like most parents and grandparents. What do you do when your kids have problems? What do you do when the people you love are tearing each other apart and can't get along and and can't be in the same room and and you just sit there thinking, I love them, but I I brought them into this world, but I can't take them out of this world. And you know, and and how do you how do you choose and how do you pick? And and when it's your own kids or your grandkids and you're and it's so difficult, David does nothing. And Absalom feels wronged. Absalom feels like there has not been justice done. And so Absalom does what? Takes justice into his own hands. Murders his brother. You see, bitterness and and injustice started all of this. And friends, in this country, we are watching it devour us from the inside. My grandparents weren't treated right. My neighbors aren't treated right. My 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 uncle wasn't treated right. I wasn't treated right in the third grade and, and, and I wasn't raised right and, and my parents didn't do me right and, and because of that I, I can't give it to God and this unforgiveness and this bitterness and this rage is just built up in me. We've watched people march in streets and burn down buildings and, and all of this stuff and what we see is a symptom of the simple truth that everyone wants to be God. You can even see it with people who sit in church. Something dramatic happens, something painful happens, something hurts them, and they give up on God. They give up on the things of God. And so this morning, I want to just caution you, if you're struggling with that injustice, if you're struggling with, I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I'm hurting, know that that's the beginning of a dangerous path. It says, Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give advice to what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he left to keep the house. And all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubine in the sight of all Israel. Now the advice of Ahithophel which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. 
So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both to David and with Absalom. And what Ahithophel does is he gives wisdom according to the world, not wisdom according to God. What he says is, in this day and time, if you conquered an enemy, everything they had became yours. They had wives, they became yours. They had property, it became yours. They had gold, it became yours. They had homes, they became yours. And concubines were literally just an approved mistress. Everybody would have known that David had all these women that weren't his wife. And Ahithophel says, you need to go in in front of all Israel, pitch a tent, and have sexual relations with them. That will show the people that you're the king. You're the charge. That there is nothing you're not willing to do to get rid of your father. And that's what he did. Now we know that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, part of David's punishment for what he did with Bathsheba was that this was done in secret, but it shall be done to you in public. And so David is really receiving what he had sowed. The sin that he had committed, it was being revealed. And you say, well, Jake, this is so weird. What does Ahithophel have against David? Why did he side against David? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Some of you are grandparents now, and I have watched you go from being decent human beings to some of the kindest, nicest, most wonderful people I have ever met when your grandkids are around, okay? I didn't think some of you could smile or laugh or love the way you do until I see your grandkids around you. And there, and you know what I'm talking about. You're like, ah, oh, they're just so wonderful. If I'd have known it was this great, I'd have skipped having kids. And every kid in the world goes, yeah, real funny. But I can also tell you when your grandkids are involved, if someone hurts you, it spins you into a dimension of anger that you probably never thought was possible. Ahithophel had a granddaughter too. Her name was Bathsheba. The same one that King David, same family that King David had destroyed, had murdered, had taken even though she was already married. And what you have is a bitter grandpa who even though he loved God and loved David and was faithful and was loyal was still a grandpa. And when David did what he did to Uriah and Bathsheba, he said, something's got to be done. Somebody's got to pay for this. Someone has to get justice for my family. And guess what happened? Nothing. Ahithophel had been wrong. And even though it says in this passage of Scripture, it was like you had inquired of the oracle of God. That means when Ahithophel spoke the things of God, it was true. You could take it to the bank. If he gave you advice about the things of God or what the Word of God said, it was a guarantee. This is a man who had been used by God, had been placed by God, had made a difference for God, But the moment unforgiveness settled into his heart, he was willing to advise Absalom, you just commit fornication. Don't you worry about what God's Word says. Even though the Bible says not to sleep with your father's lovers or spouse, you just go right ahead. You see, his unforgiveness 
And his bitterness had warped him so much that he no longer was the person he used to be. Listen to what the writer says in Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Absalom was all about embracing this, but it was Ahithophel who was bitter. Absalom is bitter. And what you need to know is if you are bitter or struggling with bitterness, bitter people find each other. And bitterness spreads. You surround yourself with someone that's bitter, you will be bitter. You surround yourself with someone that struggles with unforgiveness, you will struggle with unforgiveness. And what happens is these two men have one person that they both hate, they can't forgive, they've both been wronged at, and his name is David. Now, if you're my age or older, you grew up with a movie called The Goonies. And in that movie, there was a character by the name of Sloth. He was a very deformed figure. He made one of the most famous lines in movie history, Hey, you guys. And every morning, they did makeup on him to make him look that way. Four hours of makeup every day to go look from a normal, decent-looking human being to look like someone who fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down and climbed back up and did it again, right? And what bitterness does to you is it slowly begins to deform you. It slowly begins to change you. How you view people. How you think about things. That unforgiveness, that bitterness, that feeling of being wrong, it will take you from normal and understanding and compassionate and merciful to a place of vengeance and vindictiveness And friends, I watched them prepare his makeup. And for four hours, I said, I wouldn't sit there and look that ugly. I wake up looking like this. I don't have any help. I just look this bad naturally. But friends, some of you today are watching willfully as unforgiveness tears your marriage apart. As it tears your church apart. As it tears your relationship with your kids apart as it tears your family apart. It is beginning to take you down a path of destruction. But what I want to show you is that we see that bitterness will end up bringing us to ruin. It doesn't just take you down the wrong path. It takes you to the wrong destination. Moreover, in chapter 17, verse 1, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. And I will strike only the king. Don't miss that. Then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom, and all the elders of Israel. You see, Ahithophel has just said, I want you to go in there and do this. It will ruin your father's reputation with the people. It will destroy his claim to the throne. But I want something more than that. Give me 12,000 of the best. The best of the best. I will take those men. We will march all night. We will find your father, and I will only murder him. Nobody else. No one else has to die. 
just him. And did you notice he told Absalom, the one that you are seeking? He's, he's playing on this bitterness, this unforgiveness that Absalom has toward his father. He says, we can do this together. You see, Ahithophel didn't want glory. He didn't care about being a war hero. He didn't care who was king. He knew that God could bless Israel. He didn't want it for selfish ambitions of taking over the throne. Ahithophel wanted none of that. Everything he did was driven by one simple motive. I hate David for what he did to my family. I hate David because he seems to have gotten away with it. My family reputation has been destroyed. My family's been hurt. And here he sits in the palace with everything he wants. Women, wives, money, power, prestige. But what about us? What about what we went through? You see, he didn't just want to ruin David. He wanted to kill David. And this morning I say this because some of you are just at this point where, man, I can't stand that person. <laughs> oh man, they're just, I'm just telling you what I, I can't believe what they've done. But friends, it won't stay there. It'll keep spreading. It'll keep twisting. It'll keep maiming. And eventually you will get to a point where you just want to see them ruined. You say, not me, Jake. I'm not a cruel person like that. Look up here. It does it to everyone. Ahithophel was a man of God. A man who had been used by God. But yet unforgiveness began to change him. Bitterness began to change him. Hurt became to change him. Was Ahithophel wronged? Absolutely. Did Ahithophel have a just claim to say that David had done wrong? Absolutely. I mean, this was a person that he probably loved more than anybody. But yet, friends, that unforgiveness, that bitterness warped him. Leviticus chapter 19 says it like this. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I uh, got in trouble for saying this in the first service, and so I don't want to be partial, so I'll say it again in the second service. I love basketball. I don't like the coaching, the referees, the parents, all that stuff. Not that I don't like the people, I just like it. I love the fundamentals of the game of basketball. I love to watch it played. I love to watch it played well. And I, when I'm in a ball game, if you sit by me, you're going to know I'm wound tight. I mean like two screws too tight, all right? Two screws too tight and a few screws too loose is not a good combination, all right? And so I sit there, and this last week, uh, I watched a girl who was looking at a rebound get pushed in the back. You know, the whole gym could see it. And before I even realized it, my family was sitting around me. They can vouch for it. And I went, hey! Just like that. Hey, come on! I didn't say anything else. I wanted to curse, but I didn't, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But before I even knew it, it was, hey! Just like that. Dad's looking at me like, man, I can't believe you're sitting next to me, right? Because in that moment, I felt that's an injustice. That's wrong. That's how someone gets hurt. And as the referee came down the floor, I was praying, Lord, just shut my mouth. Lord, 
help me not to say something like, where'd you get your glasses at? Oh, you don't have them, right? First game tonight, you know. I'm praying the whole time, Jake, just shut up, shut up, shut up. Because I thought that was wrong. And you know what it made it even worse? You know why it really bothered me? Guess who the kid that got shoved was? It was my kid. And so as parents, what? When it's our kid, it doesn't matter. Even if it wasn't as bad as it really was, and it wasn't, but in my mind, it's fighting time! Right here! I got bail money. I can be escorted out. Why? Because I thought something wrong had been done. And emotion takes over. And that's kind of common because no one was hurt and I didn't get thrown out and thankfully you didn't have to let me go and all those things. But friends, it's not so much fun when it's in your home. And you say, Jake, I've been faithful for 25 years and my spouse decided they love someone else. Jake, I've managed our money at home all these years and my spouse has been sneaking out, wasting everything we have. Jake, I have tried to love my kids and, and they've turned their back on me. Jake, I was raised by people that were supposed to love me and they abandoned me or abused me. Friends, those are just causes. That's real pain, real brokenness. And friends, it does something to us. And what happens in our life is, if we're not careful, we will let that situation, that pain, that brokenness, lead us to bitterness. Now, I know what you're saying, Jake. Not me. I'm a patient person. I'm a forgiving person. I'm a loving person. I don't like people, so I don't have anything to do with people. You know, I'm good. I want you to look up here. Every planet, every person on this planet struggles with bitterness. Every person can find themselves hard-hearted and cold and distant, and it doesn't take very long to get there. You say, well, Jake, what if I'm there? I know I'm bitter. I know I've got unforgiveness. I know I would rather walk across the street than have to speak to that person. I know that I'm not going to Christmas because of what that person said. Jake, I can't be in the room with them because of how they treated me. In Exodus chapter 15, this is all I've got left. The children of Israel have just experienced one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. The Red Sea parted. They walked across dry land. They get to the other side and Moses is singing a song. Miriam's singing a song. Everything's good in the life of Israel. The Egyptians are on the other side. Some of them's in the water. We have made it. God's been good to us. God's taken care of us. God's provided everything we ever need. And then, in Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Sur, and they went three days. Don't miss this. Three days. Not three weeks. Not three months. Three days. Into the wilderness and found no water. A real problem for over a million people probably. Now when they came to Marah, 
They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were... You're going to have to say it if you want me to finish quick. The water was bitter. Had no water for three days. Literally, we're in the desert. And God, you bring us to water and we can't drink it. Moses, I don't think your GPS sent us in the right spot. Literally, we can't drink it. They were thirsty, they were tired, and they could not drink the water, for it was bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now you have to be very careful when you read the Old Testament not to put things sometimes that don't mean something to compass. They do mean something, etc. But the fact that they traveled for three days, the fact that they had no water to drink, I don't know if you know this or not, but throwing a tree into water usually doesn't fix anything. But most Bible scholars believe the tree is symbolic of the cross. And this morning I want you to see this. There is no earthly cure to bitterness. There is no earthly cure to unforgiveness. There is no earthly cure that can cure all of the injustices that have been done. You can pick it in the streets. You cannot speak to your spouse. You can burn down buildings. You can do whatever you think is going to fix the injustices of the world. But there is no earthly fix. The only thing that can fix injustice is the cross. And this is why Jesus was perfect in every way. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never broke the commandments of God, but yet He willingly went to the cross. He allowed them to spit on Him, beat Him, mock Him, whip Him, torture Him, and hang Him on a cross and took my sin and your sin, every bit of them that has ever been committed, and took the punishment for it. And He died. And He was buried. And three days later, He arose. And the reason the cross is the only cure for bitterness is because when we look at the cross, we realize something. There is nothing that could ever be done to me by you that is more grievous than what I did to Jesus. And if He was willing to love and forgive me, if He was willing to give me grace and mercy that I could not earn, how can I not give that to someone else? See, the reason people don't want anything to do with church is not the music, it's not the building, It's not the length of sermons. It's because people do not see real forgiveness among church people. Now this is going to hit close to home, and if you don't like it, it's a business meeting, you can fire me at any time. They see us talk about our enemies the same way they do. They see us sit around the water cooler at work talking about our spouse the same way that they do. They watch us talk about the people who have hurt us the same way 
that they do. And they say, if you've been forgiven, if you've really met a God who forgave you for everything, even though you couldn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, you couldn't buy it, you couldn't make it happen. The Bible even says we didn't even love Him first. He first loved us. That kind of radical grace, mercy, extending love that you've received, you won't show it to other people. It must not be real. Friends, the only place in the world that real forgiveness is possible is in a community of faith like this where God's people say, I have been forgiven and I will forgive. You say, Jake, my problem's not with people, it's with God. God let someone die that I love. God gave, God allowed someone to have cancer that I love. God allowed something to happen in my life and I'm angry with God. Friends, I want you to know there's nothing I can say. There is nothing I can do. But there is one who can. And that's go to Him. I always get a kick out of when people come to my office. And people come to my office and they'll be like, Jake, I'll tell you about so-and-so. And they tell me about so-and-so. And it's always something really bad. And then at the very end of that Satan, they go like this. But you can't tell anybody. And my response is, why didn't you tell me? Because now every time I see them at church, you know what I'm going to think about? Oh, you know what so-and-so told me about them. You want to see them uptown at the restaurant? You know what I'm going to think about? You know what so-and-so told me about them. You want to see them when it's time for me to call them to pray and I think, oh, I think they're a wonderful Christian person. Man, I'm so blessed to have them. And in my mind, you know what pops up? What that person told me about them. Why? Because that's how it is. Once it's in our mind, once it's in our life. And so today, if you're hurt, genuinely wronged and hurt, you have to get along with God and say, God, you're going to have to take this memory from me. I can't push through it. I can't overcome it. Time doesn't heal it. God, I need you. God, you're the one that's going to have to change my heart toward that person. God, you're going to have to be the one that heals my broken heart. God, you're going to have to be the one that gives me forgiveness to that other person because in my flesh, I cannot do it. Friends, this church cannot help you with your unforgiveness. Counseling is great, but it can't change your heart. Only the cross of Jesus Christ can show you that even though we deserve judgment, even though we deserve the wrath of God, that God is willing to show us mercy. And today, what this world needs, what this church body needs, is the willingness to say, you know what, I don't agree with that. I don't even like that. I've been wronged by that. But God, I want you to do something in me that only you get the credit. It ought to be the pattern of your life for people to say, I cannot believe that you can forgive that person for what they've done to you. And you say, well, you ought to know me. It's not possible if I'm doing it. But God does it. It ought to be a common thing in this church and in your life, you be like, I can't believe you still speak to that person. You know what they said about you? You're right. If it was up to me, we wouldn't. But what God has done in me. You say, Jake, that's a weak mindset. What, what do you want to accomplish by that? Well, I don't know what God wants to accomplish by that. 
you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. You want to be forgiven? You forgive. And in that moment, when a lost and dying world says, you ought to hate me for what I've done to you. You ought to want nothing to do with me for what I've said about you. It should be our heart that, you know what, that's how God should view us. But I'm sure glad He doesn't. I'm glad that when I think about all I've done in my life to disappoint God, to break God's heart, to to defile God's law, that He was willing to look at me and said, you can be forgiven. You can be made brand new because of what I have done for you on the cross. And friends, this morning, Ahithophel let bitterness, unforgiveness destroy him. We're going to look in a few weeks that he ended up taking his own life. And as we start this Christmas season, I want to close with this. Think about Mary and Joseph. Mary's a young woman getting ready to get married and then she's told by an angel, you're going to have a child, but it ain't going to be the kind of child that you think it's going to be. And Joseph, who has got this wonderful bride who is pure and wonderful, he finds out, hey, you're going to be a dad, but not the way you thought you were going to be a dad. That Joseph could have got bitter. He could have said, well, I'm not going to go through the public shame of, of everybody thinking that's my kid or thinking it's not my kid. Mary could have said, well, I don't want to go through life everybody thinking I'm pregnant and not married and all these things and did something in sin. But they heard from God. And they knew God had a purpose and plan for their life. They were faithful. And this morning, you might not change anybody. They might hate you just as much as before you started this. But friends, what you've done is you've been obedient to God. And God can use that. That's my prayer, is that you will see reconciliation in your home, in your family, in this community, and in this church. And it only happens through the cross of Jesus Christ. Friends, you can stay bitter. You can can play the card of injustice, that you were raised bad, that you didn't have a fair shake growing up, that you weren't born with a silver spoon. And friends, it will destroy you. But it doesn't have to. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray for forgiveness in my own heart. Lord, if I've said or done anything that was contrary to Your will or Your Word. But Lord, I do lift up this congregation to You today, Lord, knowing that there is unforgiveness so many times. There is hurt that we've buried. There's there's pain that we won't address. There's, There's sadness and sorrow. And So God, I just pray today that You would show this congregation of people that You can set us free that You can forgive us. God, that we can forgive each other. God, that we can have real unity and real love and and real relationships at home and at church that will make an eternal difference. Father, I know it's impossible if You don't do it. And so I'm asking that You would. Father, for that person that's here today that's never trusted You, that's never understood that You love them, that You died for them, that You want to save them, that You want a relationship with them, that today, Lord, Your Holy Spirit would convict and work and move, and that today would be the day they're saved. Father, maybe it's for that person that wants to just come and thank You for what You've done in their life, or what You've done in their marriage, or what You've done in their kids. God, whatever it may be today, Lord, let them know that You are willing and able to work. 
in their life. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.